it's Crystal. Hey, it's Jessica. We're two friends in two different chapters of life coming together to chat about life, love, work, family drama, and everything in between. Join us as we lean into living out loud and navigating through life's messy challenges on this journey to find joy in being intentionally human. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Intentionally Human. We are here today to kind of check in with Jessica because she just had her birthday. So happy birthday, Jessica. Thank you. I feel like I'm on the hot seat today. <laughs> I'm coming in blonde. You are. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did an episode like this last month where we checked in with me after my birthday and kind of my feelings of getting older and kind of what I've learned from high school to now. So we thought it would be fun to kind of do something similar with you, Jessica, to kind of check in, ask you some questions about how you feel about getting older, but also kind of who you were then versus who you are now. I love this. And then I actually, we're exactly 10 years apart almost. I know. By one month, which I think is really cool that we have that comparison. Yeah. I think it's really fun. So with that, I remember when you were asking me questions, one of the things that you were really curious about was just who I was in high school. So I kind of am curious to learn more about you. I know you've talked a little bit about it in some of our other episodes, but if you could pick a TV character or a pop culture character to kind of describe who you were in high school, who do you think you would best Hmm. resemble? That is a really good question. I know I came out, I know I came out hard. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I honestly, I like, I, I would just any kind of quiet, shy girl that was not necessarily nerdy, but not cool. I was just not, I don't want to be like Ali Sheedy's character from, oh, the breakfast club because she was a little bit more emo than I was, but I think that that's the closest that you could get. Yeah. Just like kind of a loner kind of to yourself. Yeah. I had friends, but I, and I had like some close friends, but I don't think I ever really fully let anybody in till I was graduating. And that's when I really connected with one of my peers and we became best friends. But yeah, before that, it was just kind of molded myself and mirrored other people's behaviors and it just chameleoned my way through high school. Nice. So what kind of stuff did you enjoy doing in high school? Did you play any sports or in any clubs or is there anything that just really got you excited in in high school? So I was on the dance team. I loved it. And I actually started that my sophomore year of high school, my (laughs) freshman year, I was in the color guard, which is the flag team um, Uh with marching band. Cause I was in band, but I was really bad at playing my instrument. And I knew that I was going to fail band if I didn't have something else. So I became a flag person and then went on to the drill team and did that all three years after that. And I did track <laughs> for two years and this is like mortifying, but I had a really big crush on one of the guys who played or who did discus and shot put and our track team for the girls, there was only one girl that was actually in athletics who was doing it. So they were searching and desperate and I sucked. I feel like I'm not a track <laughs> star. Um, but I saw that as my way in to be able to hang out with this guy every day after school. 
it didn't work. <laughs> but <laughs> you didn't weasel your way in. <laughs> I didn't get to weasel my way in. Oh, but I no. got me involved in some sports that way. <laughs> That's fun. So outside of school, what did you like to do for fun? I think my high school or even childhood was really different from everybody else's. So my eighth grade year, we had actually lost our house to Hurricane Rita and we had to move in with my grandma while we were rebuilding. And just because my parents had two girls that were so close to going into college, um, had just gotten out from under a house note, you know, cause when you buy a house, you don't think something like that's going to happen 10 years into being in a house. So we actually, I spent most of my time, my freshman year and in my sophomore year building our current house and it's a barn, but my dad really wanted to do everything himself, even though we, us girls didn't really necessarily <laughs> want to do that. Um, he made us do it a lot. So every weekend and then most of my summer was spent working on the barn, doing something, you know, digging out the posts, putting up the roofing, whatever was the project for that week or month. That's what we did. That's, I love that story. You're right. And it's probably (laughs) very different from most folks growing up. They didn't build their own homes. Um, But I love that you guys did that together as a family. And Mm I'm sure it taught you a lot of skills. Some you probably don't care to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't love digging post holes. I can. I don't want to ever do it again. (laughs) But I mean, those memories and that time together. And now you guys have that finished product that you can look around and like have that sense of pride. And like, look, we did this together as a family. This is Mm -hmm. our story. This is our place. That's really cool. For sure. That I think because, you know, since we built the barn, it's now been flooded twice. Um, both times were actually when we worked together. Yeah, um, I remember. And it just, I think that a lot of people were like, why are y'all so attached to the barn? And it's just, that's so much of our memories together. That's something we built. So anytime that gets destroyed, it's really heartbreaking to see something that you worked so hard on potentially never come back. I think when my parents talk about wanting to sell it one day or something like that, I'm just not okay with it. I'm devastated by it. I'm like, we need to go in and buy it and just make that our family vacation home, which Orange, Texas is not where you want a vacation, but I don't want to give it up. (laughs) No, but that's where like families, that's, that's your family roots, right? So that's Mm -hmm. the place where you guys can come and feel like you're at home. And sometimes that is a vacation, right? Like just being able to reconnect to that sense of home and that, and that safety and the warmth that it brings to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, after that, I was 16. So I started babysitting and drill team was a big time commitment. I was an officer on it. So we had summer practices as soon as UIL would allow them. We went to camp during the summer to learn all of our routines. So if I wasn't babysitting, I was dancing or doing stuff around the house. And then I worked for a lady who was an on-call nurse for the labor and delivery ward at a hospital. So I became an on-call babysitter. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just get, yeah. Called it, you know, 5 a.m. if she had to go in and deliver babies. So that became kind of my routine. That's so funny. Yeah, because those hours are insane. So yeah. Lots of just waking up, going over in pajamas and sleeping on the couch till the kids woke up. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. So you have mentioned before in previous episodes, kind of your obsession with Harry Styles. So I'm curious, (laughs) did that start in high school? 
It did not. Um, no? No. I don't think that they, like, even became a band until I was in college. So it's actually a college thing, procrastinating for a final or test, something that I should have been studying for. And I just spent countless hours on YouTube developing <laughs> this weird obsession with this boy, this boy band. <laughs> It's great. That's not how all my celebrity crushes go. I go like on a deep dive of them. And then I feel like I really know them fall in love. And and then after, you know, however many months or years, I'm like, okay, I'm over them now. <laughs> we moved on to somebody new. ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who was your celebrity crush then in high school? Oh, who was it? I'm sure Robert Pattinson. That was Twilight was a huge. Twilight. I mean, yeah. So it definitely had to be him. I remember being in like freshman English <laughs> and we had to do a prose and poetry class. And I decided that I was going to read the monologue from new moon where Edward breaks up with Bella out loud to the entire class. <laughs> <laughs> and Oh my God, that's like every time I think back on it, I just cringe and kind of want to cry because like, why didn't anybody just tell me like, no baby, that's gonna, <laughs> you're not going to ever be cool after that. <laughs> Cause I wasn't, there's no bouncing back from that. And I think I cried like as I was doing it, I think I cried. <laughs> oh, you were totally committed. I was so committed. You know, I'm not dramatic at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yeah, think that's amazing. Kind of Robert Pattinson. And then I had older guy cousins. So I think I had like more tangible crushes on my guy cousins, friends. Oh, just, okay. They're, they're know. sort of more realistic, right? At least they're, I, they were like, they're within college. your outer circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's fine. I was, you know, freshman in high school crushing on these guys in college and just thinking I was so cool. Cause I got to go to the beach with them. And it, it yeah. just, when I look back, I thought I was so much older and mature looking and <laughs> it's cringeworthy. Honestly, it's really cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. So tell us kind of about your journey. Like, okay, so now we have a good idea of what you were like in high school. How did you kind of transform to where you are now? Oh, um, I don't know if I have transformed. I think that I'm just <laughs> a lot more confident in it. And I own it a lot more. I mean, I'm still that girl who just is super country when she drinks too much. <laughs> like, walk around Midtown barefoot, just not cool <laughs> at all. Oblivious to, you know, any guys that might think I'm cute. I just, it, it doesn't hit. And I just do my own thing. I, I don't follow kind of the, the beaten path, you know, starting a podcast with you, baking, yeah, I, just, I think that's why we connected so well. We are yeah. on our own off-beaten path and just made sense. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I am who I am. And it's, you know, there's times where I like, I'm like, I should change. It should be, I want to be like this, but that's just not me. And it never has been. And I embrace the the weird, the odd. Because <laughs> I am, I, you know, it just, I, I think, the, the biggest journey has been learning to just love. And I wouldn't even say like self-love is hard. I just like myself. I like my personality. I like my sense of humor. I don't always love myself, but for the most part daily, I like who I am. And I think that's really cool. And that's the best journey that you can be on is just learning to do that. 
Oh, I love that. And I think sometimes that's the hardest journey um, is one, just figuring out who you are. You know, you kind of talked about like when you were younger, you were kind of like the chameleon and would just try on these different uh, maybe personas or, or characteristics, trying to see what fits. And so I think it's really cool when you can kind of come full circle and now look at it and say, oh, look, I don't have to pretend to be like anybody else. I can just be me and be happy with that. Exactly. That's the a huge piece of just being confident enough to know in, in my friends. And I think you also, as you get older, your friend groups change and they mature a little bit. So you aren't ostracized if you are different. Friends are almost celebrated when they're different and they don't have the same things going on. Finding a group that really just loves me for me and knows the quirks and knows the oddities. And, and that's what they celebrate about me. That's what they love the most about me. I think that's really cool to have that and not feel like oh, I've got to be somebody else the whole time I'm with this person. So do you think your friend group has changed a lot? Like the type of friends or even the number or, or the actual persons themselves, have they changed or do you kind of have the same core group of friends that have kind of stuck with you from high school? No. So I actually do not have like any active friendships from high school that I still have. I've got a couple of friends from college that I still am really close with. And then most of my friends have happened in my adult life as I've gotten more secure in who I am, because I think that I've really just brought myself into the friendship from the get-go and allowed people to love me for me. Whereas in college and high school, I didn't, I didn't have that. So when I started becoming myself, those friendships just, I don't want to say fell apart. That's, that sounds dramatic, but you know, they just, we grew apart because we weren't the same people. And um, now, you know, I have a good, I have a pretty good group of friends, a large group of friends. And we're all so different. You know, most of them are nurses. There's Stephanie, an engineer. <laughs> um, I have friends that are different age ranges from me and it, it's just really the person. And then I think that I don't always feel like you have to have all of your friend groups connected. Some people kind of feel like, oh, this is my group and they don't branch out from it. I, you know, I think that there's different friends in different pieces of your life and that's okay too. Oh, I love that you said that because I agree. I think that it's always nice, right? Like I have friends who have friends that they're like solid group from high school. They've grown up. They're still really close. The whole group of them is still, you know, really close. Their spouses are now close. They vacation together. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Um, But I also think sometimes it limits them from like exploring other groups of people or you know, people that are outside of that group because they're so um, connected, right, to that core group. They do everything yeah, together, it's to and it's hard to like that. Yeah, and it's hard to bring in new people, and it's hard to kind of mm-hmm. shift and you know make those differences when you become adults, and you know have, you might have different interests, or you might just meet new people along the way that you connect with, and if they don't fit within that core group, sometimes it's hard for them because how do you make space for them or make time for them to, to still be a part of your life? So I like that you kind of called that out and say that you have friends in different groups and maybe they don't, they're not all friends with each other and that's okay. They don't have to be. Yeah. I think that that's a hard lesson that I learned in like college, you know, trying to bring friend groups together or bring friends together that just, I loved them for their own reasons and they didn't love each other and that's okay and just being yeah. okay with that and going, okay, so I need to just learn how to more split my time. And then when those friends are together, not force something on them. Cause that sucks when you go into a group 
I've been in that situation where I've, mm-hmm. you know, had a friend and they have friends from college or whatever, and it's a really tight knit group. And then you walk in and they want you to just be a part of that group. And it's like, but I'm not, I don't have the six years of friendship built up with these people. And I don't really know what interests we, like the only thing we have in common is you. And I don't think that's enough for us to build a friendship over. And we aren't having enough face time to really get that connection even started. And so I think it's okay for like to walk into those situations and just go, we're going to be acquaintances. We're going to be cordial. We're going to enjoy this time together. But outside of this person, I don't really think that we have to see each other. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I don't know that you can really force connections or meaningful connections. Mm-hmm. I think it, I mean, every, we're all different, right? And we all have our own interests and preferences. So you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea and they're, you know, you're not going to like everybody. So I think being okay with that and saying, Hey, we have this in common, right? This person or this interest, and we can bond over that. But outside of that, we may not have anything else in common and we don't need to force that just because we have a mutual friend. Right. And I'm not saying like, I go into a group and I'm like, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I <laughs> Yeah, you try, I but I mean, yeah. you can't force it. Yeah. No. And it's, you know, it's part of growing up feeling like a chameleon. It's, it makes you pretty good at social interactions when you're nervous or don't know anybody. <laughs> I can make a, I can make a two hour friend easy. Will I keep that friendship? No. Um, because it's just, it's for that purpose and that full time. And I think whenever both adults are in that situation, you kind of know, right. right? It's like when you go to a new orientation for work and you have that one person that you connect with and you're really close during the orientation for the entire week. You don't really stay in touch with them after that. Once you start making your own connections with your current coworkers and all that. But in that moment, you were both there for each other and it's still special and meaningful. It just wasn't meant for long-term. Right. Absolutely. That's really preachy. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. No, no. I, I, but, and I think sometimes they do flourish into something more, mm-hmm. right? But not always. And it's not something that's like expected, like, oh, we got along for 20 minutes. So now we're going to be lifelong BFFs, right? Like, that's just not realistic. Yeah. So I'm curious if you like ever reflect back over like kind of your journey, your life journey. And is there any like specific time or like experience that just really kind of sticks out at you? That's like, Hey, that was a really pivotal time in my life where I, I grew up, I changed, I transformed, I learned something that just kind of really shaped you and and put you on the path to who you are today. And I know that's a deep one. Sorry. (laughs) No, uh, I, I feel like my entire freshman year of college was that. And I think for a lot of people, it's similar. I just went to A&M after coming from a really small high school. I remember I walked into my first class and my actual lecture class was bigger than my graduating class. Oh, wow. And the, the shock of that and having undiagnosed anxiety really badly it really started flaring up in college where I knew no one, where I was walking into this big group of people that I just felt so alone and so lonely in it. And it led to me really clinging to people who showed me any sort of kindness, even if that kindness didn't continue. So I was not good at picking the right friends. I picked friends that got me into trouble that didn't have the same, priorities as me. And then I started shifting my priorities towards theirs and then partying a lot more. Um, and not in a way that like normal college kids party, you know, like 
shirking responsibility to go party or to to show up for this person even like I quit putting myself first and my goals first and it became all about keeping these friendships because I was so scared to just be alone and that led to some some traumatic events happening and things like that and I think it just that whole year just completely rewired my brain and you know they say with trauma your brain gets rewired after trauma anyway so I went on academic probation I had to go to like university mandated counseling weekly. Uh, and then it just, I wasn't, I couldn't party like that anymore because I had to study. I had to get the grades or I was going to get kicked out of school. And I could have handled a lot of things. I don't think I could have handled getting kicked out of college. (laughs) That would have been like devastating to me. So I just had to buckle down. And then I, I changed my priorities and I got better at going, okay, let me, let me plan out my whole month. I can go party on this weekend. Cause there's no tests for that next week. And then the rest of the weekends I have to stay in or I have to go to work. <laughs> it became very much regimented kind of how I am now where I am very particular about, mm, I have too much coming up. I can't go party. I got to stay in and do this. I think it taught me responsibility. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it taught you like how to prioritize and like how to organize like, mm-hmm all of the different things that are pulling at you, which I know a lot of adults who really struggle with that. So the fact that you were able to learn that in freshman year of college, like, I think that's amazing. Yeah. I, I it was definitely baptism by fire. It was not a willing learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of tears, a lot of threats from my parents, a lot of like trying to hide things from my parents and it just wasn't good, but it made me who I am. I don't think that I would go back and I'm sure there's some things I would, I would change like in hindsight, but I don't think I'd be who I am. So I don't know if I would really want to change those or just, I wish they would hurt less. Yeah. I think sometimes the hardest lessons to learn are those that we have to just kind of, I don't want to say hit rock bottom. Cause I don't know that that necessarily describes where you were at, but probably in the moment it felt like that, where you were just like, can it get any worse? How do I save this before it gets any worse? Um, and then you're just, you're kind of, your feet are against the fire and you have to like make some good decisions to keep yourself on track. And I think the skills that you learn from that and just that whole entire experience, you're right, shape you and rewire your brain. And so I'm so glad that it rewired your brain to where you are today. Cause I think you're, I think you're amazing. So Thank you. (laughs) I've got to work on some, like uh, some of the other stuff, but I think that definitely as far as that goes and being able to like know whenever I quit putting myself first or my priorities, that's been huge. Yeah. So I'm going to circle back really quick because I'm just really obsessed with your obsession with Harry Styles, but (laughs) has your taste in music changed like as you've gotten older or do you still kind of listen to the same types of music? It has changed in that I will experiment with more music in high school, you know, big, big Taylor Swift fan, big kind of nineties, early two thousands, emo punk rock type music. And then in college, when you go to college station, you really get thrust into the country music scene. And I started really getting big into the Texas music and the local artists and going to concerts out there. So then I became a super country girl and then would still listen to kind of the poppy stuff too. And then after college, 
I wanted this big like 60s and 70s kick and that was all I listened to was music from the 60s and 70s and now I'm just back to all over the map I it just I can't even pinpoint what my favorite style of music is it's just the day (laughs) that's funny so who was your favorite like who did you listen to all the time when you were younger um like did you ever have a song definitely Taylor Swift yeah, I was say, did you ever have a song or a person that you just oh, like yeah. listen to on repeat? For sure, Taylor Swift. And then she would like name people in her song. So if I had a crush on somebody and that name was in the song, that song oh. was played every single day on repeat going to school. And I had two younger sisters that I drove to school with. So we would just like scream sing Taylor Swift <laughs> in the car, or we would listen to Fallout Boy, you know. <laughs> um I I get on like loops with songs, and I think that that's like an anxiety thing where if I really list like a song, I'll listen to it on repeat, like the whole drive somewhere and just learn everything about it and devour it and break it apart. So I can remember when I worked at a clothing store in college, a new fallout boy song came on that was alone together. I loved it. There was something about it. I just was obsessed with it. It played all the time in the store. It became my alarm clock. I listened to it on the drive home from the store. It was a weird obsession. I really loop on things that I like. I just did it the other day with a new song that I heard. It's like a Texas country song. And I, it's now my most played song. And I just heard it a week ago. <laughs> I've got to That's like, so doing funny. That. I just think there's something magical about a song when you can connect with it like that. So I mm-hmm. totally get like the obsession with it. I think music really is like hits you on the soul level sometimes not everything, but sometimes it just connects with you and you just feel it. And so I can understand like wanting to stay attached to that feeling and kind of devour it. And then you like associate it. Like there's certain songs that I hear and it brings me back to that point in my life, which sometimes is good, sometimes is bad, but it's, it becomes such a memory jogger that you can almost you can hear the things that were going oh, on. Yeah. You can feel yourself in that room or whatever. You can smell the smells that were happening. And I, I love that because I don't have the best memory when it comes to being able to recall them off the top of my head. But if I have a song or if I like take the same route somewhere, it'll just trigger it. And then I love that whenever a memory comes flooding back like that, because I don't get that that often. Yeah. Well, the good ones anyway, sometimes the bad ones are hard to have come Mm -hmm. rushing back. But when I think back to my early teenage years, I was obsessed with bands like 311 and Oasis and Weezer, Mm -hmm. which I still love me some Weezer. But like, so when I hear some of those songs, they do definitely bring me back to like my high school bedroom with we had CDs. This is how old we are. And so like, you could just hit repeat and it would just play over and over again. (laughs) Um, So it definitely takes me back to some of those songs uh, or some of those, those times and those memories when I hear those songs. And you're probably like, I've never heard of them. (laughs) Oh no. Love Weezer. Love Weezer. (laughs) Yeah. Weezer's still around 311 and Oasis maybe aren't quite as popular now as they used to be, but every guy at every party I ever went to that played guitar definitely played Wonderwall. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, probably. And I don't think because of that, I've never explored Oasis because I'm just like, uh, I'm burnt out on them already. And I've never even. <laughs> probably they have other songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have other songs outside of Wonderwall, but yeah, they're, um, 
they were one of my favorites back in the day. I could see our music taste overlapping at certain points. Yeah, I don't think, I that think I would so. ever catch you listening to One Direction. <laughs> no, I think because I was a little older when they came out. So at my point, like, I feel like, I don't know, they just didn't really register for me. You know, like One Direction, mm-hmm. even yeah. like, um, oh gosh, the other boy bands, like NSYNC and whoever the other ones were. Like, I just never, outside of New Kids on the Block, because I was a little kid when they were really popular. So I did love me some New Kids on the Block. But outside of that, there really hasn't been any boy bands that are like on my radar. Ever. That's fair. I was never a big NSYNC and Backstreet Boy girl. I know uh, Backstreet that Boys, of, that was the other one. Yeah, a lot of my friends and stuff are just obsessed and they're, like, they're fine. I, yeah. I would never pay tickets to go see them. The Jonas Brothers, though, when I was in high school, were big. And that, Same. yeah, I did go spend a Valentine's Day seeing them in concert. Well, and I take that back. I, I did like Boys to Men, too. They were, they were, oh, um, yeah. they were kind They're of a boy band ish. Yeah. And then I didn't like early Jonas Brothers. Again, I think I was in a weird age where I was like, that's too young for me. But now, like their new stuff that they've come out with, I'm like, yeah. you know what? I can get behind this. It's it's peppy and it's poppy and it's got a good beat. Like, I'll totally rock it. And my daughter, who's a teenager now, she's like, I can't believe you're listening to them. And I'm like, well, too bad. Turn it up. <laughs> full circle. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, which I think it's funny because my daughter is really into right now, like old country, like really old country, like Johnny Cash and like early Reba, like stuff like that. That's was even before me, mm-hmm. you know, and she's really digging it. And I think it's really funny. I'm like, wow, where did really this come funny. from? She likes <sighs> other stuff too. She listens to rap and she, her like music taste is all over the place. <laughs> well, on a yeah. spectrum. Just <laughs> yep. Uh, but I just thought that was really funny. Like what, what relates to teenagers and how, it's sometimes very different from, I don't know, their parents and maybe even their peers to a certain extent. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. When it's fun to be the one that's different, right? To introduce your friends to all this new music that they've never heard of. Yeah. That's the best when you're like, oh my God, this has been around forever. You never heard it. I think there's almost like a sense of pride that comes along with that of, oh, I'm a little bit more cultured than you are. <laughs> I know I felt like that. <laughs> When I've shown some of my friends stuff, I'm like, how have you never heard of this? It's been around forever. Yeah. They're uncultured. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes too, it's like what you can relate to. So like we have, mm-hmm. like, I have some friends who have a teenage daughter as well, but she like will pull out some old stuff too, but it'll be like old green day and stuff like that to where my daughter's like, yo, gross. I don't have any interest in that. Um, but that's what, you know, kind of resonates and relates with her. And so I just mm-hmm. kind of think it's really interesting to see how each kid kind of connects with like the different styles of music, the different styles of clothes, like just their oh, personalities yeah. and styles are so different. So different. I moved back in I moved back home to work for a nonprofit after college. And my younger sister was a junior in high school and because of the barn. We shared a bedroom and she, like, I thought I was a little bit emo in high school. She was like fully emo Wore the band t-shirts were her vans and converse. Everything had to be black. She listened to screamo music, which drove me insane coming out of like a very big Texas country face. Oh, like, I what bet. the hell is this shit? It's horrible. I can't <laughs> listen to it. My ears hurt. Now I have an appreciation for it, but oh God, at the time I was like, what? You're like, why are you so angry? Why are you so sad? What's going on with you? 
And just seeing how different she was in high school from how I was is just so funny. I wore high heels to school every day. I, you know, always had on nice shirts. I just would have not, I still won't be caught dead in t-shirt and jeans. Like I just don't wear that. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So I guess break that down first a little bit. What was your style then versus now? Gosh. Um, think old Navy meets air apostle with Payless Hills. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I got the visual. I'm putting that together. Yeah. Very like, um, it was kind of a mom style. Now that I think back (laughs) on it, like I had an aunt who would give me a lot of her hand-me-downs, which were, you know, work shirts that I would just dress down with a pair of wide leg jeans or flare jeans because skinny jeans didn't come until I was really in college. A lot of that. Also trying to dress like Rosalie from Twilight. (laughs) See, and I don't think I've ever seen an entire Twilight movie. So I am, I know I'm going to have to go watch them now just so that I can relate to all of the stuff that shaped you. (laughs) Like anything that would show off my boobs a little bit, you know, fit at the boobs and kind of flare out like the baby doll tops. Still Mm. love a baby doll top. I'm so glad that they're coming back in. And then, yeah, jeans and heels or wedges, just something to make me look cute. Cause I thought I was hot shit when I wore that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like embarrassed that this is recorded (laughs) because geez, I don't think my style has changed that much. I just think it went out of style and is now coming back into style, which has worked really well for me. Cause (laughs) you're like super excited. Yeah. Yeah. So were you one that like would dress for the trends or did you just kind of have your own style and it didn't matter if it was cute or popular or trendy at the time? A little bit of both. Um, I always, you know, have been chunkier (laughs) and very curvy. I got boobs in junior high and, you know, was one of the few girls in my school that was like already a triple D in high school. So trying to wear juniors clothes with just hoops that were attacking everything <laughs> it was really hard. And I was so unaware of them and just like of, of the amount of space I took up as a person <laughs> that I ended up getting anything that would fit the boobs, anything that would like not show my belly rolls because oh, could not be caught dead, you know, having some rolls showing, and then it, if it made my legs look longer, cause I was, you know, I don't think I'm five, two, I haven't grown since, since I hit five, oh, wow. two in junior high. So I just wanted to be tall and like long and slender. <laughs> it's never going to be me. <laughs> so yeah. And anything that would fit that my mom was really good about teaching us, you know, it doesn't matter if it's trendy, if you don't feel com- like comfortable in it, or if you weren't confident in it, it's not going to look good on you. So kind of learning, you know, those big wide belts that sit on your hips are great when you don't have wide hips, when you have wide hips, it just yep. really draws some attention to them. So don't do it. <laughs> yep. 
That's so funny. So, cause I mean, we are built differently cause I am taller. I have like no boobs. So the, the struggles I had finding clothes were much different, but they were still struggles. Like I did always have hips, no matter how skinny I was. And it was the same thing. I could never find pants that fit me in the waist and in the hips and mm-hmm. they would never be long enough. They would always be too short. Um, you know, so same thing, never could wear big chunky belts because it just made your hips look even bigger. So I just think it's really yeah. funny that even though you have really different body styles and body types, like there are still things that you have to look at and you try to dress for your body. And so I think sometimes that's missing. Like with my daughter now, she's always like showing like, Oh, this is so cute. And I'm like, yeah, but that girl doesn't have the same body style as you. And it may look cute on her, but it's not going to look the same way on you. So you have to look for what's going to work for you and what's going to make you feel confident Mm -hmm. versus trying to, you know, recreate somebody else's look. So. Yeah. And following the trends, you know, when I look back at some of the trends that I tried to follow, just, Oh, I definitely had like, you know, the really like wide leg jeans that started at the hips with the skin tight undershirt and the little crop jacket. I, that just like, why, why was that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the wide leg pants are starting to make a comeback. I'm starting to see them again. So they are, I hope the crop jackets don't come back in. I was definitely an offender of that. Anything that I could just slide over. (laughs) I don't know about crop jackets, but like crop shirts, crop hoodies, all of those are in like big time. We see those all the time. The gauchos are coming back. Yeah. There's some craziness coming back. Definitely rocked a gaucho. And yeah, just I, anytime I followed a trend, it was not trendy. And I just (laughs) like my, some of my favorite outfits were so not trendy, but they were just me. And I think that you kind of learn that personal style. In college, I definitely learned my personal style and have stuck with it ever since because it's what I feel best in. And when you can take the pressure off of, am I fitting in on this trend or whatever, then that's one less thing you have to worry about when you're out. Yeah, I think that's such a a really good call out because every time we go out somewhere, no matter like which phase in my life I'm in, like you can always see the girl who's constantly adjusting herself, constantly like looking uncomfortable, looking over her shoulder. Like you can just tell that she doesn't feel comfortable in what she's wearing and nobody, nobody wants to, to be that girl. I mean, we've all been that girl at some point at some night, whether, you know, whatever, but it's just not fun. It's like, ugh. No, that's why I wear dresses so much. I freaking hate jeans. I think that they're really constrictive. They're not fun. You know, they, they serve a time and a place. I'm not going to just sit at home in jeans. I like, no. see, and I'm the opposite. I I love jeans. Really? I (laughs) love dresses. My nickname in college from some of my friends was actually Dressica because I would wear a dress to campus. It was hot. Trying to walk around in jeans or shorts. I have big thighs. Walking around in shorts meant I was going to chafe and then just be in the bathroom, like trying to air out my thighs because I had to walk to the next class. (laughs) I didn't want to do that. So I just wore dresses and loved it and felt so confident. And it was one less thing that I was self-conscious about in the classroom. So it helped me learn more because when you were sitting next to the cute guy in class, the last thing you want to do is like try to not breathe because you're sucking in because your jeans are too tired or something. (laughs) Yeah, that's so funny because like right now, like the yoga pants and the leggings are huge and I hate them. I don't feel comfortable. I I feel like they're constricting. I don't like them at all. I would much rather be in like a comfortable pair of jeans. And most people I know are the complete opposite. Like they'd be like, oh no, I'll wear yoga pants everywhere. And I'm like, ooh, no, 
I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> I have a very, yeah, I have to have a, a look if I'm going to go out in yoga pants. I don't like to just go out in them. I'm like, no, it needs to be kind of cute. I do want to feel <laughs> cute all the time, but that's a downfall. Um, I'm definitely that friend that's like, oh, we're going to go casual. Okay. I'm going to show up in a sundress. <laughs> just, that's me. Yeah. And I think that's okay. I think, like you said, it's just about feeling comfortable and confident. So if that's like, my mom always said, like, she always taught us, like, it's better to be overdressed than to be underdressed. Mm -hmm. So she would much rather see you like put together an outfit to like show up and be overdressed than show up in jeans or something. And you, you know, shouldn't have been. So I think showing up in a sundress is always like a good compromise because it's, it's casual, but if you needed to dress it up or look a little bit nicer, like it's really easy to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just so nice. I think I feel bad that guys don't get to wear dresses. <laughs> I mean, nowadays they can, you know, I mean, it's yeah. your, your boy does Harry Styles. He wears all kinds of, um, traditionally feminine items and yes, he, does. he says they're masculine now. So, and he looks good in them. I mean, yeah, my, that's my your dad style. would disagree, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's your style. So whatever. So I'm curious now, cause now you're almost 30 and like you're working and you're doing these different things. So you're kind of in a new phase of your life. Is there anything that you have that like, are like your idols or things that you look up to that are kind of your mentors helping to guide you like in these next chapters of your life? Yeah. Um, I think that it's a lot more reasonable, right? Like, so I have my professional role models, people whose careers I look at that I'm like, I really like how they did that. I liked how they stay authentic as they climb the ladder and things like that. And then when it comes to like lifestyles, I, you know, I've started appreciating my mom a lot more as I've gotten older because <laughs> it is hard to run a household. And I couldn't imagine doing it with three kids because she had, she had at least me and my middle sister by the time she was my age. So I couldn't imagine that. Um, so I look up to her, but like when I, when I think of like how I want to be as a mom and stuff like that, I start to think of my mom, but as far as just where I'm at, I don't know if I really do. I think that there's pieces in my life where I have role models, but as far as like, if I wanted to emulate my life after somebody, I don't because I really like my life as it is. So there, when I'm thinking like, okay, I'm letting stuff slip. I don't go to somebody else. I kind of think of when did I feel the best in my life? And let me go back to that, which I know is like not really a good answer to your question, but it, <laughs> no, I think it's it great answer. Self growth to get there, to go like, I think that my life is cool as it is. And it's mine and it's my own path. Because I, I, I've spent a lot of time comparing myself to others, probably until the last couple of years, and just feeling so disheartened whenever my path didn't go straight along with theirs, or like, well, I did everything. That that sucks, and it's a hard pill to swallow, especially with like the marriage and kids thing. You know, at 29, um, people, well-meaning people have started to remind me, you know, like, you're not a spring chicken. It's going to happen for you. <laughs> don't worry. Don't get hopeless. And I'm like, kind of feels like you're telling me I should be a little bit hopeless <laughs> and it, it's not, or people being like, Oh, like, you know, are you going to start having kids soon? Or when you start having kids, are you going to have them back to back? So you aren't like an older mom. Like, 
I'm 29. That's not an old mom (laughs) or even like 32 is there's just, I think there's a lot of pressure right now. And so it was really easy to come into this and, and feel sorry for myself. Like, Oh, I don't have all those things that I wanted, but I have a lot more than I could have ever imagined. And I'm in a different place than I could have ever imagined. And I think that there's a lot of beauty in that. And I'm definitely working on appreciating my own journey and just stopping the comparisons. Cause they happen, you know, it's really easy to look at somebody else's life and go, oh, I kind of want that. Um, but I, nothing bad has ever happened when stuff didn't happen the way that I wanted it to. It's actually always worked out better. So I have to remind myself of that. Oh, I love that. And we talk about that a lot. Like, you know, comparison is a thief of joy, but I think you're right. Like being able to feel secure in yourself and not get caught up in all those social constructs or what people think you should be doing or how you should be living uh, is really, is really amazing. And I think a lot of people make mistakes or make huge life decisions based upon what they think they're supposed to be doing or what all of their peers are doing or what their families want them to be doing and then are really unhappy at the end. So the fact that you're brave enough to kind of go down that path and say, I'm going to do what's right for me, regardless of what all of these well-intentioned people in my life are saying or thinking or sharing, you know, I think that's just amazing and shows all the courage you have. So I think you should definitely be proud of that. Thank you. I am. That's, that's definitely one of those things that as I've gotten older, I've taken a lot more pride in that. You know, of course we get jealous. That's normal to be like, I want that, but wanting it and being ready for it or it being the right time for it are not the same thing. You can want a lot of things, oh my but goodness, yes. not everything is meant for you. Not everything is going to happen on the timeline you want. And I think having that be a separate emotion, right. Of like, yes, I would love to be getting married. I don't think I'm ready for it. I haven't met anybody that I wanted to marry (laughs) and like really owning that. Like, yeah, as much as I want it, I still haven't hit that point or met that person. So the jealousy isn't there because it's like, I, it's just not my time. Yeah. So since you kind of brought up dating and marriage, um, kind of bringing it back a little bit, (laughs) since we've explored your dating life now with (laughs) online dating, what did dating for Jessica look like when you were younger? Did you start dating early or were you a late bloomer? What did that look like? Oh my God. I was such a late bloomer and so scared of men. I don't even know why I'm scared of men. I, maybe my older cousins that were all guys, I was the first girl in my family. I think I was traumatized by my older guy cousins, <laughs> like, cause that's the only way that I knew men. And they were just not mean, but definitely picked on me a lot. So I just thought all guys were kind of like mean and scary. And if you just kept your head down, then like, they wouldn't call you out and <laughs> pick on like your biggest insecurities. Um, so definitely didn't date in high school had gone like to some dances with guys and stuff like that, but it never, it never led anywhere. Um, and then in college did not have time to date. Didn't make the time to date again, just after that freshman year was like, that's just a distraction. You know, if I'm at a party and I want to make out with the guy, I'll make out with the guy, but I'm not dating a guy. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got, you know, when I started, had graduated, started working, then I started, you know, going on more dates, trying to explore that. But I just think I've always been a really late bloomer when it comes to that. (laughs) And 
owning like my sexuality and like knowing that I'm super, you know, that like I have sex appeal and owning it so hard. I still <laughs> get really uncomfortable with it and still have times where I will, you know, if things are getting a little too second, I'm like, Oh, let's make a joke about it because it's just too much <laughs> to handle. Um, yeah, like I didn't get my first kiss till I was 18 and it was, I went to Austin with one of my friends and we went and stayed with her uncle and we, he brought us out to he snuck us into some bars. Um, and got my kiss, first kiss that way. And it's just like, I never, and then any guy that wanted to date me, I just shot down so many times. This one poor guy asked me on so many dates and I just, it never even clicked to me that he liked me. I thought it was a joke. I was like so insecure that I genuinely thought that it was a joke. And I was like, he's punking me. Like he's (laughs) going to have all his friends out there. They're going to giggle because I think this is a date and it's not. So I just shot him down so many times. And kind of have done that with a lot of guys in my life that I just have interest and I'm so oblivious or so self-absorbed in whatever I'm doing at the time that I'm like, "Eh." you're like, okay, no, you're like a brother and just really bad at that. And then go after the guys who don't want me, you know, it's that stereotypical cycle. (laughs) So since you brought that up, I'm curious, do you think that like guys and girls can be just friends Or do you think that it typically leads to like one having more feelings, like more romantic feelings than the other, or like a different, like attachment level? I think that they can be. Um, If you would have asked me this a couple years ago, I'd have been like, no, absolutely not. Like one's always sexually attracted to the other. Um, I think guys and girls can be friends. I think that you have to have some emotional maturity there to know like, yeah, if you're out drinking with a guy friend, it might get a little flirty. You might think like, oh, it's like, is this going to go? But like also knowing like you set that boundary. So as long as you are both respecting that boundary and then if that boundary is going to get pushed to something more, like it's communicated, then yeah. But I, I have guy friends now that I, it's super platonic. And even if there's been a time where like, maybe I've had a crush on him, it's, I think it's out of the proximity and like me getting those feelings of, Oh, this guy likes me as a friend with, Oh, this guy likes me romantically. Cause I think it's really hard sometimes to decipher those feelings when you haven't dated a lot. And I have not, I haven't dated a lot. I've gone on, on dates and I've had a couple of guys that I've seen for a while, but I've never been in like a serious long-term relationship. And so really have, I'm still learning how to decipher like, do I like you or am I just liking the attention? Or do I think that, I, you know, like, am I building this up? That's, yeah. I just went into a really big deep dive. <laughs> no, but I, you're right, though. I think, like, that human emotion component is so big. And yeah. it's hard to understand sometimes. And it people are different. People are raised different. So their comfort level with certain types of behavior and sharing is it's different. So you can be around somebody sometimes, I think, who sends signals or say things a certain way and you can be like, Oh my gosh, what does that mean? You know? Cause if you were to do something like that, like it would mean a certain thing, like you, you know, um, and so like understanding those differences and, and kind of navigating through that, I think can be tricky. Yeah. I, and I, I think it's just, it's not impossible, like but it's tricky. No, it's, it's tricky. And like, I don't treat necessarily my guy friends the same way that I treat my girlfriends, you know, like I'm not going to sleep in the same bed as my guy friends. It's just because I do think that it's easier to blur the line and it's easier to cross a line because there's like 
some hormones that are going, even if it's like, <laughs> you don't like them. Like right. if you're sleeping in the same bed as a man, like there's hormones that are flying and it, you have no control over it. There's just those pheromones are going. So it's a lot easier to cross that line. And so I think you have to be a little bit more mindful of not crossing boundaries than you are with your female friends, because you don't have those like silent signals that you're not even aware of happening. Yeah. That's a good call out for sure. Did you have any guy friends when you were in high school? I had, look, I wouldn't call them like super close guy friends, but I definitely had a, like my group, I had some guys that I ran around with and we did stuff as just like a big friend group and still will like keep in touch with them through Facebook and stuff. But no, I didn't have like a a best guy friend. My (laughs) my little sister, her best, one of her best friends is a guy and has just always been since they were little. And I did not have that. I honestly think I would have fucked it up. Um, I think <laughs> I was like I was a little bit like boy crazy. I would have definitely tried to like cross that boundary or not not honor the friendship boundary, you know, once the hormones started flying. So it was probably a good thing <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I had some guy friends. Um, I had some really close guy friends, but I don't know that I I think most of my guy friends that I had had an interest in me and I didn't recognize it or, you know, and so I just was like, oh yeah, we're just really good friends. And then it ended, most of them I think were okay, but a few of them ended with like, oh, that's how you feel. Like, I don't feel that same way. And that kind of hurt the friendship, but. Yeah, definitely had that happen with a guy friend where I I became a bitch because I didn't want to pursue anything. And it sucked at the time because I was like, I just thought we were friends. But I think in high school, it was really hard to like start a new friendship out of not having a crush. Yeah. I mean, because I think there's something generally that draws two people together. Right. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it happens just kind of organically, like through a friend of a friend and you're, you know, in the same location. So you get to know each other kind of a thing. But a lot of times it's because there's some sort of an attraction on one part, right? Like you're kind of drawn to them like, oh, that person's interesting or, oh, that person's cute or whatever. And you kind of, you know, reach out that way. So I think sometimes we miss that, right? So. Oh, yeah. I Like I, I, a couple of my guy friends now are my guy friends because we matched on a dating app. And then it just didn't work out dating wise, but thought each other really cool and <laughs> stayed friends. See, and I think that's a really mature response because I think a lot of times you see folks who don't have that level of emotional maturity, right? And they're like, oh, you don't like me this way. Like, I can't be around you. And so I think the fact that you could come together and be like, hey, maybe I'm not physically attracted to you or we don't have like that romantic chemistry, Mm -hmm. but I still think you're a legit cool person. Let's be friends. I think that's amazing. And I wish that's a skill we could teach at a younger age. And I don't know if we would be ready for it at a younger age, but I don't know. I think it's amazing. I think a lot of folks need to to learn that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I would, I don't think I was ready for, I don't think I was ready for it at 23. You know, it was like, Oh no, you're, you're rejecting me. Like, I don't want that. And even now it depends on the guy. Like I've, I've been rejected by some guys that I really liked and, and that sucks. And it's like, no, my ego is so bruised that I don't think that I can get over this to have a friendship and vice versa, you know, I was like, you know, I'd like to remain friends with you. I just, and the, then it just isn't a friendship. And I think right. you have to have two people that are both willing to like set the ego aside. 
Yeah. You got to be on the same page for sure. Mm-hmm. And you got to, I think you have to have boundaries and that's sometimes hard. Definitely. Especially if you've already, like, it's really hard to backstep once you've crossed certain boundaries, like while you were dating, oh, it's really yeah. hard to go back to just a friendship boundary. I agree. I think that's, that's, that's tough. I think for your instances though, like if you guys met, went on a first date or even maybe a mm-hmm. second date, like then there's no real you know, like relationship formed, I think that's a little bit of a different story because then the relationship that you form really is a friendship versus like a romantic relationship that you now have to backpedal out of. Oh yeah. I think it's really easy to, to like forget that one of the best foundations for a relationship is a friendship. And so it's really easy when you have met somebody online to just go straight into dating or to like that level of intimacy, because there's this false false intimacy built up that you're both looking for a partner. You're both wanting to date. So you kind of skip over that friendship phase. And I think a lot of times the reason you don't end up being friends with somebody in those instances, if, if you've gone out a couple of times and, you know, just never led anywhere is because it wasn't really meant to be a friendship either. You just, I don't know. You were kind of horny. Yeah. <laughs> There's well, a better way to say it. I think it goes back to that conversation we've had. And I don't know if it was on an episode or just a conversation we had where we were talking about like that compatibility factor, right? Like you can be compatible mm-hmm. with somebody and not have all of the other things that go into making it a real relationship and vice versa. You can have a lots of, you know, hormones and attraction and all of that stuff, but no compatibility. So I mean, it really does take a lot of variables to like come into play and align for like shit to go down, like in a good way. Oh yeah. Cause you, I mean, like I've have matched with guys that the compatibility was there. It was like, this is really great, but we wanted different things in life. And that is almost a bigger heartbreak (laughs) than just somebody not liking you because it's like, it it is really great. Like there's so much that we connect on awesome, but you want this in five years and I want this and neither one of those seems like a good friend zone. Yeah. And it it is, it's a really good friend zone. I think you have to get out of that initial attraction though, because like there is that when it's yeah. that good, like there is an attraction. It's really hard to just be like, Oh, absolutely. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, and I think, now? yeah, I think that kind of comes with the online dating stuff too, where it's like a lot of that kind of organic formation isn't there. It's like, Oh, physical attraction. I see you. I see your picture. You're cute. We talk, we're compatible. Great. Like, so then you kind of go into it with this mindset of like, oh, like it checks all the boxes. Like this could be legit. And then you get there and then you're like, wait, now what do I do with this? Can I make a friend out of this? Do Is this rejection? Like, I feel like that's a lot of like inner conflict that you got to like work through sometimes. Yeah. It's stressful and like a lot of work. <laughs> it's really stressful and a lot of work. It's really emotionally taxing too, because you, especially if you're, like dating around, you know, I, whenever I online date, I'm not one to just like put all my eggs in one basket. Cause then I'm going to get, I'm going to create like this false narrative and stuff. So oh, I almost I have to like that. keep going on dates with other people just to make sure that I'm like, not just building up this narrative for this person in my head and in putting them on a pedestal that they can't live up to. Cause I don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a character flaw. So yeah, like I'm going on dates with, with multiple guys and getting to know multiple guys and truly just dating. And I think 
shit, I just forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> um, oh my God, it's gone. <laughs> where hey, was I? We all have those days. <laughs> I don't uh, know where you're going, but it was, we were talking about emotionally taxing. Oh yeah. But, okay. So you're like going on dates. And then if you're going on second dates with guys, like you are starting to, to develop relationships and not like long-term partner relationships, just like you're getting to know somebody, you're building right. some sort of relationship with them that it gets really exhausting. You know, if you are now trying to like figure out schedules and okay, I really like this guy, but I kind of like this guy too. Am I like pushing this guy out of the way? You know, am I not giving this one a fair shot? And it, it just becomes work and it sucks. And I think that a lot of people have that, like I'm on a dating pause right now because it just got to be so much. And I was overextending myself that I was starting to just like, not bring my authentic self into it. I was like, okay, like, I don't really want to go on this. I'm going to go on it. Yeah. Yeah. And not, it wasn't fair to the other person. Cause I wasn't communicating that where I was like, I don't know what I want now. You know, I was trying to kind of, all right, I'm going to go on this date just get through it. Like that sucks when you're on a date and you feel like the other person's just there to be there and they're not really there because they want to be right. And I don't want to be that person. So it was time to step back. Well, at least you're able to recognize that within yourself and then, you know, like make decisions based upon that. Cause I think sometimes mm-hmm. we just go through the motions because either we think we're supposed to, or we should be doing this at our age, or we should be doing this because we're single or whatever. And so it's not, it just becomes work. It's not fun. It's not authentic. It's not like something that's going to create like real meaning in your life because you're not really engaged in it. So. No. And then you, I I found myself, I ended up going out with guys that I really didn't have an interest in almost because it was easier. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can see that. There wasn't that much of a connection. So it was just, it was, it was lower work or like less work, less effort. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, a guy that would really pursue me and I was kind of like really not interested, but Hey, they're doing all the texting. They're carrying this. Let me just go for it. And I, I don't love it when that's (laughs) happening to me and I'm kind of becoming like a fuck boy and I don't want to be a fuck boy. (laughs) I mean, I think it's, I think it's really interesting how like you like talk yourself into it or you justify it or you say, Hey, I got to push forward for this because of, you know what I mean? Instead of just saying, am I really feeling this? Yes, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, this conversation, Jessica has been so fun. I have really enjoyed kind of getting to know you better and like then versus now and (laughs) kind of having a little (laughs) glimpse of your journey on how you became who you are today. So thanks for sharing it with us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for asking the questions. Um, I will send you my therapy bill for all the twilight (laughs) admissions that I made. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, we'll just count this as like a free therapy session. Yeah, there Um, we go. Hopefully you worked. There's a few things while we were chatting. (laughs) Yeah. I won't ever repeat that story. I'll just be like, go listen to that. (laughs) You'll learn all you need to know. Not going down that road again. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I probably did make you self-reflect a little bit, so I appreciate the vulnerability. <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved it. I think we always have these conversations offline, so it was nice to finally share it with our listeners. Yeah, and I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did, because it was super fun. <laughs> Definitely. We'll see y'all next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>